God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Then at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In every tongue, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you, praise team. And uh, I just want to extend a special welcome to everyone who's here this morning and worshiping with us online. We're just glad that you're worshiping with us. If you're here in person, in our bulletin, there's a, a little extra flap at the end of it. If you have the chance, if you would take the opportunity, we'd appreciate it if you would fill that out if you're a guest or even if you're one of our regular church attenders. There's a place for you to make prayer requests known and that sort of stuff. We'd just be glad to have a record of your attendance and that we can make contact with you perhaps. Uh, just say hi and glad that you were worshiping with us. Uh, a few announcements just to call to your attention a couple of things. Uh, tonight uh, at 6.30 we're having a concert of prayer or a time of prayer uh, for all, all of our church family, we're going to gather in the Fellowship Hall and spend some time in groups just praying for the needs of the church, needs of our country, and needs of the, the people that we know and, and love that are serving with us and so we're supporting overseas. So we're glad to have that opportunity and hope you can join us with it. A couple of other things. Next week, we're having a uh, get-to-know-us lunch. So if you are kind of new to the Creekside family, just kind of want to find out a little bit more about who we are, what some of the uh, the beliefs are, how the things work around here, you know, sometimes you come into a church and you go, I don't know, well, who do I talk to or how do things work? Uh, that's what that's for. But we do ask that you RSVP. So email Sonia at CreeksideDM.com and let us know you're coming so we can plan. We're going to have a meal and there's no charge for that meal, but we hope you can come. And join us. And then you have in your bulletin some information about Operation Christmas Child. That's something that we've done uh, several years. And so we're just trying to promote that a little bit right now. The boxes are out available for you in the entryway. So you can come and pick up a box or you can provide your own however you want to do that. So you can read that information. A lot of other things going on. I'm not going to stand up here and articulate everything. Uh, I know that all of you can read and my experience is People who don't read don't listen, so uh, that, that's that, no sense of me just articulating it all once again. So I'd invite you to join me as we pray, as we prepare to worship through the study of His Word. Heavenly Father, uh, we do worship You. Our God is three in one. Uh, we can't totally... at this morning and I pray that you would open our eyes as the psalmist prayed that we might behold wonderful truths out of your law and Lord I pray uh, through this text that you would speak to each one of us in a way that you know that we need to be spoken to that we'd be open and sensitive uh, to what you are saying to us and that we would receive the truth of your word for what it truly is the word of God and not the word of men and we pray it in Jesus name amen Soon after I uh, entered the ministry, I enrolled in a, a retirement plan that was promoted by the denomination in which I served, and the main thrust of that retirement plan was an annuity, and the annuity guaranteed a 6% return on your investment upon retirement. 
About 10 years ago, I received notice that that annuity plan was being canceled. Uh, that it was just going to go into evaporation. The people who were already on the plan would benefit from the plan, but the rest of us who had been putting money into the plan would in, in, in all likelihood not see any of the money. If we saw a little bit of the money, it might be, but we'd never get the 6% return on, on our investment. Well, the long story short is I did receive a, a portion of what I had projected as, you know, to receive. I received a portion of that back as a lump sum, so I wasn't at a total loss, but what I had hoped to receive, what I was been promised to receive, was nowhere near what I actually did receive and or will receive. I got it and it put it into my retirement. And my point in saying that is that, and this is just one illustration, human promises, human promises are fickle. I mean, uh, the, the, we just frequently we receive, we don't receive what was promised. But this morning we're looking at a passage in which the God of the universe is giving us and, and, and enforcing the fact that he will re- give us what he's promised and the blessings that he has returned for us. In Ephesians chapter 1, we began looking at verses 3 through 14 last week. But God has made known to believers some of the most tremendous blessings that are available, that we have by virtue of being in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, and these will not fail, like the promise of a 6% return on your investment in an annuity plan. Uh, The possessions and the position we have in Christ anchors us, anchors us in our identity and who we are in relationship to Christ that enables us to live victoriously in the midst of a world that's chaotic. I don't know about you, but you can't read the news. You can't wake up without realizing that the world's a mess. Uh, things are going bad. I, I, I w- I'm glad I didn't go where... It, uh, they're bad, okay? Um, and the world is, is, is going to pot. And so we, we have this courage to face it in light of that because we're anchored in who we are in Jesus, not in what's going to happen in the world. And this morning, last week, we discussed the first two of those blessings, you know, that we were, we were selected by the, the, the Lord. He selected us, and then he saved us. And this morning, we're going to look at the last of those main blessings that we are, are considering. But we discovered what he had planned for us and what he's promised for us. And all who we are as beloved children by virtue of our faith in Christ. So... We've been selected, we've been saved, but now how do we know that that's all going to happen? And that's the, the third and the final of these major blessings that's laid out for us, I think, in Ephesians chapter 1. And that is that we're secured by the Holy Spirit. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, or if you want to reach down in the, underneath the seat in front of you, or if you have an app on your phone, or if you just want to listen, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 3 through 14, because here we discover these three praiseworthy blessings that God the Father provides for believers, those are in his body, those who are trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that encourage us, or intended to encourage us, and empower us. And remember the Ephesian believers, they faced threats from without and threats from within, just like we do. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him 
before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of times that is the summing up of all things in Christ things in the heavens and things upon the earth in him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory in him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Now I know there's a lot in there, okay? And believe me, I know there's a lot in there. And it can get kind of confusing in the language, but it's one sentence in the Greek. From verse 3 to verse 14. And so how it's all teased out, it can be a little difficult and people don't always agree on it. But here's where we've been. Last week, and you see this in your outline if you have the outline in the bulletin, we, we saw that we have been selected in Christ. We're chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. That we've been predestined to adoption as, as, as sons. And saved. We've been redeemed. Now, what does that mean? Bought, the price has been paid to purchase us from the slave market of sin and bring us into his beloved family so that we don't suffer the punishment of the wrath of God for our sins. And he's revealed to us the mystery of his will. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about the fact, not that we're, we, we talked about selected and saved. Now, we're going to talk about how secure we are in that and in the promise that he's given to us. And so, in this text, in verses 11 through 14, there are three proofs that our, our promised inheritance in Christ is secure. Now I want you to look with me, first of all, at the anchor of our inheritance. Now, if you're looking at your Bibles, uh, the, the New American Standard begins verse 11 with, also we have obtained... But I think the ESV has it right because it begins verse 11 with in him. And if you're reading another version, the in him might be in verse 10. But again, I said it's one sentence, right? So I think it should say in him we have obtained. Okay, in Christ we have obtained. In relationship to our faith or trust in Christ, we have obtained. Now if you look at verse 13, you see that same phrase, in him, in him, twice. He's the anchor upon which our inheritance rests. He's the, the source of that inheritance. And not just the, the inheritance that he's talking about here, but the inheritance means our salvation and everything that accompanies it, what we experience now and in the future. Now, what gets confusing sometimes is that there's one Greek word that translates, we have obtained an inheritance. One word, that's a lot for one word. But that word can also be translated that we have become his inheritance. So then you go, well, 
we have obtained an inheritance or we have become an inheritance. Two different ideas. I think it's the former. We have obtained an inheritance because if you look at verse 14, I'll ask you to do that. Look at verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. And it says, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. So he's talking about us as the heirs, what we have received as an inheritance. The similar idea is in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. We have children of God as heirs and joint heirs with Christ. So Paul is speaking, I think here, about the certainty of something that is primarily in view in the future as if it's already ours. Okay, The inheritance. And in fact, the inheritance, I'll argue, is ours and is yet to be experienced fully as ours. One of the boys at uh, Awana was looking at this ring that I have on my right finger. This ring, when it was still on my grandfather's finger, was considered to be mine. It was my inheritance before I ever received it. I had, it was anticipated, he, it, was, it could have been spoken of as my inheritance, even though I had not yet inherited it. In the sense, what Paul is talking about here, at least to some degree, is that we have an inheritance that's secure and sure, even though we haven't fully yet embraced it, fully haven't experienced and enjoyed it. So there is a future looking towards that inheritance. Our inheritance is already obtained, yet not fully enjoyed. Now, the not yet aspect of our inheritance, we talked about last week. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. If we're in Christ, we've been born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to, for what purpose? To obtain an inheritance that's incorruptible, that's undefiled, that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for you. Sounds like it's yet to come, right? It's reserved in heaven. It is yet to come. Yet there's also a present aspect to this inheritance, which we looked at in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. For His divine power has granted us to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence, through these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world on account of lust. Everything we need has been graciously provided in abundance by his promise. We have the peace of God. We have the power of God. We have the presence of God. We have the grace of God. We have the kindness of God. We have the mercy of God. It's in us, experienced by us, and to be used. And then we have the promise of being entering into heaven. All that's been given to us, God's presence and forgiveness, all that. Christ is the source from which these blessings flow. He's the anchor that holds us secure in light of those blessings. And the blessings are ours. Because of us? No. Because of God's gracious initiative. Notice in the text, it says, also have obtained an inheritance, verse 11, having been predestined according to his purpose. Now, we looked at that last week, right? Verse 5, predestined, same thing, same word. It's predetermined ahead of time. 
It's God's choice, decision ahead of time, that we who are rebellious by nature, rebels, either we're playing God, I'm doing fine, God, just leave me alone. I don't care about you. Or we're either playing God or fighting God. God, I know what you want from me. I know that I'm supposed to surrender. I know I'm living in sin, but you know, stick it in your ear. I'm going to keep doing it anyway. That's rebellion against God. And our rebellion against God, by, is that, that's who we are by nature. But God predetermined that those of us who are rebels by nature would be righteous children by faith and joint heirs with Christ. Not by any merit of our own. Not because we can stand before God and say, God, you're getting a great deal when you get me. No. By, 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 by the fact that His love is lavished upon us. Regardless of how difficult, regardless of how devastating, regardless of how discouraging life for believers can be. And, you know, many of us know, uh, you know that Mary uh, Bradley has been diagnosed with, uh, with, with a, a bad case of cancer. Many of us know that people have been losing their jobs. People know that some people are, are discouraged and, and downtrodden because life is throwing them curveballs. We understand that the stock market you know, went down. All that stuff can be devastating, but it doesn't matter in one sense because our inheritance in Christ as part of God's family is secure. What we have in Jesus isn't being taken, isn't shaken, isn't faulty, isn't failing. It's secure. Additionally, it's not just that he predetermined it and God initiated it, but it says God's power ensures his promises. It says in verse 11, his purpose, according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Matt Campbell's a football coach, head football coach at Iowa State University. And after the Kansas game, when the field goal kicker for the Iowa State Cyclones missed three field goals, Matt Campbell, because he chose and determined it ahead of time, according to the power that works within him as the head football coach, decided that that kid was still going to be the kicker. And he's the kicker at the Kansas State game. He was the kicker yesterday at the game. He's the kicker because he's the head coach. He decides. The text here says that God's sovereign purpose never lacks the power to accomplish it. God's purpose will be accomplished by God's power. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God is God and I'm not. And when God says he's going to accomplish it according to his predetermined plan, according to the purpose of his will which he works in us, that's it. I accept it. The forces of evil cannot thwart God's plan. I don't know. Here's the deal. The devil can't keep God from choosing us. He can't keep God from using us. He can't keep God from us enjoying and experiencing all that God has for us now and in eternity. There's a car in my garage which I inherited from my father. And this car is, has, it's a 1966 Ford Mustang and it has 
some rust on it. And there's some paint that's peeling on it. And it's deteriorating and a little bit and it's, it's, it's passing away. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's part of this world. But this is not what happens to our inheritance in Christ. It's permanently secure. And it's incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. It's not corrupted, corroded, or confiscated. It's ours. God's gracious choice of uh, those of us who are undeserving and His meticulous and mighty works to grant us salvation and to give us this inheritance should humble us. And it should motivate us to serve Him. As Paul said, the love of Christ controls me. Considering this, that one died for all, therefore all died, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And it should strengthen us to be steadfast. When you wake up in the world in the morning and the world is going chaos, you say, where is there an anchor that can hold me in the storms of life? It's in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's the anchor. According to verse 12, and we'll read it, heir, heir, believers were made heirs for what purpose? What is, you don't see in verse 12, in the English translation is, the last phrase of verse 12 is actually the first phrase in the Greek text. So it should read, after the counsel of his will, to the praise of his glory. We have been predestined to be adopted into the family of God, to be redeemed by the blood of Christ, to the praise of His glory. Which, now look at verse 6. If you look at verse 6, it says, We had been predestined to adoption as sons, verse 5, to Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace. If you look at verse 14, it's to the praise of the glory of His glory. So we have been redeemed, and saved to give God praise. Why would you praise God? Because you got something you didn't deserve. You got it for free uh, to us, not free to God. It cost God his son's life. And we can experience fully all that God has for us in Christ. Um, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but if you ever got a speeding, you got caught speeding, you know, pulled over by the police, and you got a warning... Maybe it's never happened to you. I mean, some of, I don't know, I know a guy who had like 27 warnings. How does that happen? You know, it's like, whoo. You think when they ran their plates, but maybe they don't record the warnings. Anyhow, you, you, you get a warning. You sing the praises of that officer who pulled you over and only gave you a warning. The God of the universe, if you are here this morning and you are trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, has delivered you from every penalty and punishment of sin. And for that, He is to be praised. We should praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness because of what He's done. And who are the ones to praise Him? Those, if you read verse 12... 
And he says, to this end, that we who are the first, those who are the first to hope in Christ, describes the heirs. Those who are the first to hope in Christ are the heirs. These are the ones who, having also believed. Now remember last week? They're there to, they hoped in Christ or trusted in Christ. They're the ones having also believed indicates that God's sovereignty who predestined us and our responsibility of, 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 of having faith are both part of our salvation. It's not either or, it's both and. Believers hope in Christ as our only source of forgiveness, of being right with God. Of having a purpose in life that transcends us. I remember as a young person sitting in church. And the thing that got me about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Was that I thought you know there's got to be something more to life. Than just living you know growing up. And, and getting married and having some kids. And having a nice house. And, and having a few cars. And, 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 and spending money and going around the world. And, and seeing places in the world. Is that all there is to life? I thought. Didn't God create us for something you know, eternal? Absolutely he did. And this is in relationship to Christ. When we come to faith in Christ, we realize my life is not just confined to this world. I live now in light of eternity. And so I live with a purpose. And he, he saved us in, in Christ so that we might also enjoy all the riches of heaven. But he did this not for me, primarily. <laughs> but it's to praise of his glory. You know, the only eternal thing that those who hope in something or someone other than Jesus are guaranteed, the only eternal thing that those who hope or trust in something or someone other than Jesus are guaranteed, what is that? Condemnation. That's the only eternal thing that they are guaranteed. Judgment from God for eternity. But those who are trusting in Christ as Lord and Savior have eternally guaranteed them life with God forever. And that begins the moment we trust Christ. So we have an anchor of our inheritance. And then now in your outline, this is my fault, uh, it says the promise of our inheritance. But I changed it. I mean, I changed these words about 15 times before I ever go to France. Uh, not, not necessarily, but several times. It should be, I want you to say, the assurance of our inheritance because I'm keeping with the anchor and the assurance okay so that's the thing because um, I'm a little bit compulsive about that sometimes but the, the assurance of our inheritance and there's two ways that the Holy Spirit guarantees our divine inheritance our salvation the inheritance of our salvation now and what it is to be and the first is the Holy Spirit is a seal we see this in verse 13 in him in relationship to Christ you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him, in Christ. Christ is the channel. He's the channel through whom we have salvation. He is the channel through whom we are sealed with this Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, And that we, we have this inheritance and all its blessings. Our being secured. Now, how is it that we're secured? How is it that we're sealed? It says, after listening to the message of the truth. What is the message of the truth? He tells us in that very same verse, it's the gospel of your salvation. The message of the truth is the gospel. The truth is the gospel. And there's no shortage of people proclaiming they have the truth. 
Oprah says she has the truth. Kanye says he has the truth. Whoever you want to, they say they have the truth. Well, this is the truth. God's word is the truth. Jesus is the truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So what is that truth? Well, the truth of the gospel, the one real truth is the gospel uh, uh, of salvation. And Jesus said, Acts, Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says that faith in Christ comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And the good news of salvation is summarized. And we're going to look at some verses in 1 Corinthians 15 where this good news, the gospel, is summarized in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1, verse 3 and 4. Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which is preached. What's gospel? It's good news. Okay, what is the good news? The good news preached to you, which you also received, in which you also stand, for I handed to you to you for, uh, as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So, and Scriptures he's talking about are the Old Testament. And what is it the Old Testament says about Christ dying for our sins? Well, uh, I guess we can't go there right now, Adam, so don't go there right now. But in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, you can say that. All we like sheep... Um, you know, it's really sad because most of you probably never even been around sheep. Uh, sheep are really stupid. Just take my word for it. Uh, so now don't take offense because, you know, that's what he calls us as the body of Christ. Um, but, but we're sheep, okay? And, and sheep were just kind of like, they'll follow each other over a cliff, okay? They, they, that's just the way they are. And they stink, uh, sheep stink. Uh, a lot of other things. All we like sheep have gone astray and they wander off aimlessly. They, they don't pay attention to where they're at. They just wander. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. You sound familiar? Independence, stubborn, bullheaded. Everybody says, oh, I'm Irish. I'm Irish. Italians, you know, it's Italian month, right? So Italians are the most stubborn people. No. Uh, Irish are the most stubborn people. No, humans are the most stubborn. Nobody, no ethnicity has a corner on the market. It's part of the fall. We're sinful. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Christ died, according to the scriptures, as a payment so that our sins went upon him. If we trust and believe that his death was in our place, then his sin it, our sin is covered by his blood and his righteousness comes on us and our sinfulness goes on him and he dies that's the scripture okay his blood paid the price to release as many as believe not not you know you have to believe in him from the bondage to sin that that sin would we're enslaved to sin and and when we put our faith or our trust in christ his Blood covers and pays the debt so that we're no and frees us from this, the redemption, price of release, releases us from bondage to sin, but also the curse of sin, which is eternal separation from God. That's his death. But then it says he was raised the third day according to the scriptures. He was, he was buried. Okay, he died. He was buried. Uh, and then he was raised the third day according to the scriptures. 
Psalm 16 talks about him, the resurrection, the, you know, seeing him in the, in the next life, the resurrection. That's a, a, a prevalence of it. And if he's not raised from the dead, then guess what? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Paul says, then we're of all men most to be pitied and we're still in our sin. Because his resurrection proves he has victory over death, the consequence of death. But then 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, Christ did rise from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. So the text here in verse 13 says, In him you also, having after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of salvation, having also believed, so that the listening and the believing are concurrent, not necessarily sequential, not, so you heard and you believed, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I heard the gospel that I'm a sinner headed for hell but Christ died in my place so I trust in his death as a payment I deserve and I accept that I am his child and he is my Lord. After having believed we are then his, his, per, his child. And our, our, our choice of God is, is faith. God's choice of us is his election. Notice here that in this text of Ephesians chapter 1, God the Father plans and predestines our salvation. God the Son redeems us, making that salvation available. And the Spirit of God seals us as his inheritance. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we're left, I think, as we think about the predestining, uh, predestination of God, his election, our choice, faith, the redemption in Christ, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, to praise Him, to the praise of His glory, for His majesty, for the mystery of it all, because they don't understand it all, and the mercy of God, who doesn't give us what we deserve when we come to Him. The simultaneous result of hearing and responding, then, according to this text, is the sealing of the Holy Spirit, S-E-A-L-I-N-G. He sealed us in Him with the Holy Spirit. In Christ with the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're sealed with Him. And what does that mean? <laughs> say, Whoa, that's crazy. The promised Holy Spirit. Notice it says that? It's the promised Holy Spirit. Back in Ezekiel chapter 36, Jeremiah 31, God promised the coming of the Spirit. And then at Pentecost, the Spirit came, the, the, the initial coming of the Spirit of God upon believers, but it was permanent, this coming of the Spirit, on every believer at the moment we trust Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he is none of his. So if you're here this morning, and you're trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Spirit of God. You've been sealed. You've been indwelt by the Spirit and sealed by the, by the Holy Spirit of promise. God's Spirit comforts us, it guides us, instructs us, empowers us, gifts us, but it seals us as God's possession, guaranteeing our inheritance, our salvation. 
than the result of that. So what does this mean to be sealed? There's a couple of concepts that I think we need to tease out. First of all, sealing conveys ownership. Okay? Now, those sealed in the Holy Spirit belong to God. Uh, again, anybody ever... You, you've seen cowboy movies, right? Where they branded the cattle. <laughs> Some of you have actually been involved in this, but very few. Okay? Well, they actually, how, or now they just put ear tags in them, you know? You know, and I, I don't know, I suppose they shoot up some of them with a little chip that, you know, identifies them as the, as the owner. That's identifying them as the owner. The, pun, the one who has that seal, the one who has that brand, the one who has that tag is the owner, okay? We have been sealed with the Spirit of God. God is our owner. That's ownership. The seal of the Holy Spirit on believers is proof that we are officially authentically and unquestionably God's children. Uh, think of it this way, if that, does, if that uh, branding thing doesn't trip your trigger. Uh, think, if you have a passport, that passport is a seal, a sign that you are a citizen of the United States if that's your passport. If it's another country, that's your, your, your identification. So think about discouragement and disappointment and difficulty they, they may cause us to doubt. Am I really a child of God? I mean, I really blew it. I really messed up. You know, I, 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 I know I shouldn't do that, but I, I messed up big time. There's no way I can be a child. Oh, wait a second. You've been sealed. Signed, sealed, and delivered to the king of the universe. And there's no way you can change that. It's the certainty of our, uh, our salvation now and the certainty of the future realization of all the implications of our salvation in glory. God's word assures us beyond doubt that we are his possession, we're members of his kingdom, and we're never going to not be a member of his kingdom. I want you to look at John chapter, uh, John chapter 10, uh, verses 27 and 29. Uh, I'm sorry, we'll go to the security part. Okay, So we're, we're, we're owned by God and we're secure. Okay, We're secure. In a sense, protected. When they sealed Jesus' tomb, remember the, the story in Matthew 27? They came to the tomb and Herod put a seal on it. That's a wax, piece of wax, and then they put a stamp on it that sealed it. And that meant that this tomb was protected by Rome. And then they put a bunch of Roman guards around it to protect the tomb. You and I, if we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, are protected in the sense that we're never going to not be God's child. We're never going to be taken away. We're never going to be obscure. We're never going to have anything that is it's not going to be tampered with. We're not going to be changed. Nothing can happen to take us away from being God's child. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. Uh, uh, in, that, in that text, um, Jesus, uh, Jesus says this. John 27. John 10. I'm sorry. John 10. 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Don't you like that? We're sheep. <laughs> Remember the stinky, uh, wandering sheep? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, uh, eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. All of us are going to die physically, but everyone who's a child of God will never die eternally, will never be separated from God for eternity if we know Jesus. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. That means we're secure. 
can never not be a child of God. I, don't you like the double negatives? So there's the seal. And then there's the pledge. The Holy Spirit is a pledge, a second way that he proves we are sure. And a pledge is just like a down payment. And most of us are familiar with what a down payment is, right? It's that which you put down in order as a promise that you will, securing the promise that you will fulfill the rest of the payments. You're going to keep it up. The Holy Spirit's presence serves as the initial down payment, guaranteeing the future final realization of all that's ours inheritance in Christ. And that's coming in glory. It's the down payment. With a view to the redemption of God's own possession. Oh, here we go. Redemption again, right? With a view to the redemption of God's own possession. I take that to mean with a view to the restoration of all of creation. What is God's possession? God possesses everything. I mean, it's all his possession. With particular emphasis on, on believers restoring us to our pre-fall harmony and joy and unity with God. So what was in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned, that's going to be restored someday at the redemption that we experience. Now, we talked about redemption. We talked about adoption and redemption, which are the two things that uh, is, is in, in Romans chapter uh, 8, there is this discussion okay, that Paul has. He says, for you have been received... You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. For we know that we, the whole creation groans and suffers the, points, the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only that, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, our adoption as sons and daughters. And you go, wait a second. Last week I just said, we've been adopted as sons and we've been redeemed. Now here Paul's saying, we're going to be adopted, and we're going to be redeemed. So which is it? Both. We have been adopted and redeemed in our salvation. And we will be adopted and redeemed fully and finally at the consummation of the age, when Christ returns and sets up his eternal kingdom. Then we'll fully, that's the view of the redemption that he's talking about here. The full and final realization of all that God has for us in Christ at the end, at the, on the end day. Now we're groaning. One day the groaning will be over. I like what Thielman says. The redemption of believers is metaphorically the full amount of which the Spirit is the down payment. Our full and final realization of all that God has for us in glory, is, which is not here, we are his sons. We are redeemed. But then, in glory, we will fully experience all of what that means. That Spirit of God is just the down payment for all that it is. So there is the anchor of our inheritance. We have this assurance of our inheritance. The Spirit of God living within us is the seal and the promise, the pledge that we are his children. And then we have finally the aim of our inheritance, the ultimate purpose in our inheritance of salvation and its full realization in glory is what? Read the end of verse 14. Why did God redeem us, save us, and give us this inheritance of salvation yet fully to be experienced in heaven? Why? To the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. I don't know about you, but I, I hear on the radio sometimes these advertisements. Oh, you know, 
Stock market's crazy, bad. You, you need to prepare for your retirement, secure your retirement future, blah, 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 blah. And, and then they give you some suggestions. Oh, you need to invest in precious metals, or maybe you need to, uh, you know, you need to do this bank on yourself plan or something like that. And they're making promises just like I had when I started in ministry in the six point, you know, six percent return. It's it's garbage. You know, it's not gonna happen. You know, they have no clue. They, they don't know what they're, what they're talking about. But God's word says that in Christ, we have an inheritance. He sealed us with the Spirit. He secured and guaranteed our salvation and the full experience of what that salvation means. And then we should sing, praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Because it's secure. We, the world is going to pot around us. But the gospel is still true. That's the anchor that holds us secure. So believers in a world that's fraught with disease and death and disappointment, hostility, animosity towards Christians and heresy within the church, I think it's wonderful to ponder the blessings that our gracious and generous God has given to us. He's lavished upon us blessings from the past, originated in the past, that are ours in the present and will fully be experienced in the future. I don't know about you, but if I can meditate on these things and awareness of those things and the promise and the gratitude for all that, then I can make some sense out of what's going on. I can have some stability in what's going on. I can be encouraged even when the world around me is not that encouraging. It stabilizes me. And, and for those people who don't know Jesus, I want you to know that these are promises that you can experience. The blessings of, of Christ and all of His people now and forever are available to everyone who will call upon the name of the Lord. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Remember the sign above heaven? Whoever will call, whosoever will may come. And once you get in, one of God's elect. So I invite you today, if you are not trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never put your faith, your trust in Christ, acknowledge that you are a sinner destined for an eternity apart from God, and you realize that Jesus died and His death paid the price that you deserve to pay, and He did it for you, and you want to surrender to Him and submit to Him as your Lord and Master, then you just cry out to God and tell Him that. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, and all these blessings will be yours along with every other child of God. And as we close our service, I remind you that apart from Christ, the only eternal thing we have hope for is condemnation. But in Christ, all that we have to hope for is an inheritance that's incorruptible, that's undefiled, that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for us. And this came to us not by our initiative, but by God's initiative. And as we take the bread and as we take the juice, we remember the price that Jesus paid so we could be free. And I hope and pray that you would join me in taking a few moments to search your heart and examine your heart. And then our practice is, and nobody has to participate, but every believer is welcome to participate, is that we just, at the time the Spirit moves you, you come up and you take the bread and, and partake it, or you take the, and take the juice, or you can take it back to your seat and do that. Nobody's pressured, nobody has to, but I hope and pray that as we do, that believers will be humbled by the grace of God. That we be heartened, 
heartened and strengthened in the daily grind of life because our inheritance is secure. And I pray that we will do it to the praise of the glory of His grace. Let's pray. Father, uh, so much to be thankful for, so much we don't deserve. We pray that you would uh, hear our prayers as we search our hearts, confess any known sin, make our lives right with you, not that we need to in order to be saved, but that we can enjoy greater fellowship with you. I pray that you would move us uh, to come and, and take these elements understanding how much we don't deserve what you did uh, as we remember it through these elements but that we would be humbled that we would be strengthened in the midst of the chaos of life knowing that this is not the best life our best life is not now and that we would be honoring you in the process we pray in Jesus name